Welcome to the Star Love Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Beck, the Oracle in New Orleans, founder of Inner Makeup Astrology. To learn more about what I do, visit innermakeup.net. And today we have Lori Randall Strapman. And Lori is, in her own words, a rare bird. <laughs> She's a, okay, a consulting evolutionary astrologer who's a published expert in online reputation and social marketing and does some interesting stuff with astrology in that she focuses in one aspect on the astrology of happiness, which really you know, made my ears perk up because I am interested in happiness myself and some of the literature on what it means to be happy and how we can be happy. And you don't really hear too much about this all the time in astrology. I mean, it's oftentimes it's, wow, we have a heavy Saturn transit or Uranus or, you know, all this kind of stuff. But to use astrology in such a way that it can maybe be a tool for us to, you know, as Lori is an evolutionary astrologer, how we can evolve towards happiness. If I'm perhaps, you know, getting what you're you know, doing properly, and we'll talk about more about that. You know, that that's really something unique and I'm very interested in. And also the idea of, you know, maybe connecting this to marketing and online reputation that, you know, bringing joy through business and marketing and to oneself, all very interesting stuff. And it was fun how we met. We met on an online astrological forum and I was saying about I think you were commenting on it was a Pisces moon and I was saying you know I just did an inception a little ritual around this moon that was connected to the fixed star Farmel hut and it was really beautiful because we started talking about that and I was saying you were asking what the inception was and I was saying well if the if there's a planetary body connected with that star and then Gemini is on the ascendant, I think it's eleven degrees gemini it's a there are some sources that say I think Vivian Robeson, the fixed star book that that's a good time to do an inception. so we connected very beautifully over the Pisces moon and the star and Gemini on the horizon. so how about that <laughs> and actually. <laughs> You know, now that I'm thinking about it, and I'll stop talking soon, but the, I think the, you know, the, where the moon is kind of like, it was, oh man, let me pull up the chart. You know, I wasn't thinking about doing this, but what's, what's the chart of the moment? Where, let's see, right here. I want to see if, well, there you go. On the ascendant right now, it's just a little bit past that 11 degree Gemini mark. So how about that, that, that degree? And we, you know what, see, this is what I love when it's the chart of the moment and I, we don't plan it and it works out that way. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, we're not trying yes. to be like, okay, do the chart exactly right. Da, 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 da. But it's like, you know what? And cause we had to reschedule and this and that. And look, it's the right time. How about this? <laughs> I love it. And I love the way it's like, sometimes it seems like everything is random, but the truth is not a whole lot mm -hmm. is that random. So, okay, yeah. well, wonderful, Lori. So let's get to you. So I was, you know, I've been reading about you and, you know, all of some of your stuff that you put out. And you said that you were captivated by mythology from an early age. What was that like and what type of myths captured your imagination? Well, picture this. <laughs> um, Picture this, a, a little girl and a plaid skirt at a Catholic elementary school. And uh, 
I wiped out the whole library, anything and everything to do with mythology. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was just, it was utterly captivating. I just wanted to marinate in it. And um, I'm, at this point in time, I'm glad I wasn't in a different kind of school where they wouldn't even have books like that. Um, But yes, I guess I was a closet astrologer um, from the very early years. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, that's interesting because, you know, in Catholicism, you definitely do get the saints and there is more of the roots that tie back to the Greco-Roman line. So it's, you know, would be natural that those books were there. But were there any myths that really you loved or were attracted to, or you just kind of absorbed anything you could and, you know, you don't remember too much about it? Um, I wanted to devour the whole thing. (laughs) And I did. I I hate to say this. I really hate to say this, um, but Prometheus stood out. No, Mm -hmm. no, no, Mm -hmm. no. Um, Yeah. um, Yeah, it was just... I guess one of the things that really grabbed my attention was the the very much um, ooh how do I say this it's just so uh, especially at this time in human history uh, yeah there's some pretty dark and tumultuous stuff that gets talked about in those myths hmm. and it gets confronted pretty directly and uh, yeah yeah it was um and. I have a, um, my midheaven is at 24 of Scorpio. So like I, I'm calibrated to just dive right in and Mm. yeah, just to kind of, I'm always looking for things at the deepest level. You know, that's so interesting because this is why I love these interviews always because it just, we, it unleashes something and that for people to remember, let's ruminate slightly on the myth of Prometheus. So Prometheus was the one who gave fire to mankind. So it was this idea of unleashing a great force or power for human beings to take some power back from the gods and not be so submissive. So it was a it was a huge moment in mythological history and human history when you know when we were able to receive fire. And in modern times Prometheus is most closely related to the planet Uranus, which can indicate really massive, cataclysmic, surprising change and even revolution. So do you think there was something about being attracted to Prometheus that was yourself or part of your own nature? You are amazing, Dan. I had never connected this before. No, I never. I never questioned it. I was like, you know, yeah, you know, I, I just didn't. I never looked at this. My ascendant is at zero degrees of Aquarius, which it's, mm. you know, ruled by Saturn and Uranus. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, so, yeah, very much so. Um, and my uh, my Uranus placement is conjunct with Pluto. Mm. You know, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no wonder. No wonder. It's like, oh, okay, everything yeah. makes sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, okay. So just just for people, because there, you know, there's a whole wide range of people who listen, which is great. But to just even to, regardless of the level, to ruminate again, to to resonate with Uranus. So Uranus. So if you have Aquarius, and this is for anybody, if you have Aquarius on your ascendant, Uranus is go. Uranus and Saturn are going to rule your chart, depending on how you do it. But this planet and this, the myth of 
Prometheus actually then oversees your chart. So that, that really is something, a, you know, a beautiful synchronicity that's emerged right now. It, yes, exactly. And it's at zero degrees, which is um, <sighs> a super hefty dose of it. You mm-hmm. know, just in plain speak, it's like, you know, a, a big dose of it. Um, mm-hmm. And so the happy news, re- remembering about Prometheus, because the idea of getting one's heart eaten out every day or liver eaten out every mm-hmm. day is not a fun one. Um, but in the end, Chiron, the wounded healer, Chiron mm-hmm. actually exchanges his immortality. Uh, he gives it to Prometheus. And so he uh, becomes a constellation. So mm-hmm. he's out of his everlasting pain. But there, there is redemption there. Chiron. And so it's interesting to me that right now, for the next several years, Chiron is an Aries. So mm-hmm. and for everybody collectively and individually there's this healing uh our ideas about masculinity pioneering um starting new things like yeah well and that's see this this is very interesting because and i hadn't really thought about it in this way because obviously you know we all of us astrologers knew chiron had moved into aries but in a way, Uranus was actually in Aries prior to moving into Taurus, I guess it was a couple years ago. So in a way, Uranus, I guess, paved the way for Chiron. So Uranus did maybe some of the revolutionary disruptive work in Aries to, you know, maybe have that kind of masculine energy disrupted or uh, changed in a big you know, surprising way, but then Chiron came in and, you know, uh, then followed the path. How, how might you interpret that? This idea of, you know, pioneering masculinity being disrupted, but then Chiron maybe coming in. Well, I guess that's what you're saying. Chiron coming in and maybe healing that. And then Chiron also gets into, he was a teacher. So it like kind of going for the impossible, being a centaur and, you know, shooting those arrows really far. So this idea of, disrupted masculinity but then taking that change and then going really far with it what do you think about that (laughs) i think you mister are really intuitive um (laughs) i i've got um my jupiter um mercury and sun in aries Mm, wow yeah so and that has been the pattern and it's this coming out with saturn on the ascendant so um yeah, there's been a, a huge coming out that's in, in the works. And for anybody at any uh, understanding of appreciation of astrology, when um, when you have these slow moving planets cross over your ascendant, it's mm-hmm. kind of like they've, they're finishing up old business in the 12th house and mm-hmm. breaking up things and things are dissolving. And then it's this new start. You're redefining yourself. And this year, we're all collectively and individually in the process of a um, the beginnings of a 36-year cycle because of the Saturn, the huge Saturn-Pluto conjunction in Capricorn that um, we're very, still very, very much feeling and will be feeling all year. Um, so it's it's really good to be for all of us to be thinking about what kind of patterns are we laying down for ourselves for the next 36 years, and it's um, yeah. 
Yeah, it's just just so people understand what you're saying. So you have this. It's very. So we're talking about the macro societal, but there's also the micro. Even what's happening, as you say in your chart, and there's that. Basically, what happened at the time of this recording, Saturn just moved onto Lori's ascendant. So it's a big, a lot. What has essentially what has dissolved, and it's sort of a new, almost physical, personal start in a way, or some some sort of activation through Saturn moving there. But but just to uh, also to try to reiterate, re- reiterate what you were saying, what, what do you think, if, you know, because a lot of people who know astrology are going to understand what we're saying, but what it, can you p- break it down into more simple terms for, okay, you're talking about these longer cycles and what are the foundations that we're laying right now? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so, and because, and I'm going to throw in that whole uh, happiness depth, depth yeah, psychology. But, it's research from PhDs. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, you mm-hmm. know, just to, but the deal is that on January 12th, it was exact. Saturn and Pluto came together um, in the sign of Capricorn. And so right now, and through this year, um, we're going to be feeling, and you can see it in the news, um, authority, structures. There's, there's things that are not working, uh, are being revealed. And... Uh, so, and even in our personal lives, especially with Jupiter entering Capricorn, it entered, I, I want to say, December 6th. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And it's just a magnificent time because all the old stuff that wasn't working, it's kind of like closing your closet. And if you go through your closet, sometimes there might be something that you like. There's nothing wrong with it. It's five years old. It doesn't have any stains, but it's kind of like, Ugh. You know, or it just doesn't even like, eh. and, you know, it's like, it's, it's time. It's probably time to go through the metaphorical closets and like, yep, this is working. This isn't. And to really create an idea for how the way you want the rest of your life, or at least the next 36 years of it to go to build new foundations because the old stuff is slipping away. And that can sound, oh, but the truth is that when we take positive action, it's like, okay, fine. What do I want to build? Mm-hmm. And to dream. And the thing that you and I connected on, Dan, was I commented about how, especially with the moon and Pisces, that we're dreaming a new mm-hmm. world into mm-hmm. being. If we choose, it's an invitation. Because, you know, we can huddle up and met Netflix binge, which I'm a big fan of, but <laughs> not all the time. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. But it's uh, it, it yeah, glass of wine, popcorn. I'm down. But it, it if if you look at it as an opportunity to really dream something up that feels integral, that feels right to your soul at this moment in your soul's evolution. If you're gonna tap in, and astrology is the very best thing I can think of to use to tap in, then you can take it and take positive action with it dream a new world into being lose 20 pounds get a new look do a new business model do something new this is it's like we're all collectively in this womb as it were um except we get to have some say about the dna and you know how it's going to be we have the power to dream a new world into being and that's my fervent hope and desire and we've got all the big planets, you know, all the slow moving planets rooting for us because they're in Capricorn. 
And, right. you know, and it's and Saturn is just now kind of tickling its way into uh, Aquarius, but won't be there fully until uh, the winter solstice. But like these are exciting times to create. Mm-hmm. And it's like we have to. I was OK. Movie mo- a TV moment. I watched House of Cards, Kevin Spacey, and he played this incredibly corrupt president. He's so mm-hmm. good at it. Oh, good. And I remember this one moment and he looks over and he goes, if you don't like the way the table's set, overturn the table. Right. (laughs) It's like the planets have all done that. And it's like, okay, let's set the table the way we want it. Yeah, this is interesting. So we connected over some of that Piscean energy, which for even on a simplistic level, Pisces is dreamy, it's mystical, and it's, it's enchanting. And actually, the planet Neptune is... In um, its domicile of Pisces, so there is really uniquely from several hundred years this kind of energy of dreaminess that can be accessed. I wanted to make a simple point on that, but let's go back to the beginning. So you were really, you know, right away you were interested in mythology and you started looking at charts. And then you were also at, you know, as I guess as you moved into adulthood, you were working in a Christian ministry. Could you describe a little bit of that? <laughs> well, I'm not trying to be funny. Oh, my shameful tale. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, I got married. I had children. I was brought up in a religious home. And I married a religious guy. And it's like, oh, hell, I'll go down the rabbit hole. And I did. And it, it it was a really interesting experience that taught me a lot. And through that experience, because um, I ended up going to, well, churches that were more fun, for one thing. Um, and, and we did all this spiritual stuff. Um, and because having been brought up Catholic, and my mom's Italian Catholic, so there's an extra layer of mysticism mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And so... The mystical side of it just was like, hello. Um, and I do have three planets in Pisces. So <laughs> there's all the draw and the allure of the mystical and the spiritual. And it's like I was just that's just, you know, it's my in my DNA. And so I got to uh, we called it prophecy. But basically, it's tapping into intuition and, you know, I, ideally from from the divine uh, and uh, and really learning how to filter. I've read for hundreds and hundreds of people and really got to work with people who were incredibly skilled and just lovely, lovely people, many of them, and uh, really got to refine things and do like with dream interpretation and, and just intuition. And it, it really uh Usually within three minutes, I mean, we had lines of people and we'd read from past, you know, something in the past that nobody could know, something in the present, something that was ringing a bell for the future. Boom, 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 boom. And people would come back and they'd say, oh, my God, you, you called it. But this and so you hit the nail on the head. And I just got to practice a lot. And that was the greatest takeaway. Um, the other was that organized religion's not for me. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, well, you know, aren't we all a little suspicious of authority structures? Um, but yeah, it, uh, yeah, it was, it was, I'm very grateful for that aspect of it. And 
with all the planets making a grand slam through my 12th house, which for people unfamiliar with astrology, that's like, that's, and everybody has a 12, you know, we've got 12 houses um, and everything makes its rounds through our charts. And that's the place where it's a letting go place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I got to let go of a lot of, uh, a lot of harshness, both Mm. internally and externally. I just got to let go of a lot that needed letting go of. So, Mm. Wow. So, you know, wow. So you have this background and yeah, at some point you came out with your astrology. I mean, we even were just talking about the closet earlier. I mean, as far as what maybe needs to get decluttered, but coming out of the closet, how did that happen? And what was that like? Well, um, for a while, anything spiritual, I was like, "Mm -mm, no way, no how. I went to, um, I I went and got my first degrees in theology and Mm. I was like, yeah, that used to be my shameful little secret, too. Um, and I know, right? It's like, um, it, we choose what we're ashamed about, and it's mm-hmm. totally possible. Um, but uh, so I got a degree in communications and pursued that full stop. That's how where the reputation management comes in. I was like, you know what? We're going all critical thinking. This mystical stuff will kill you. No, 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 no. Um, and uh, so it was a slow wooing uh with spirit a very slow wooing it's like okay all right all right all right all right all right because i would know things and i would have dreams and they'd come to pass and it's like oh dang it but it's it, so coming out as an astrologer happened um i did happen to be it, so a crisis moment kind of nudged me into it i had been looking at it and studying it and enjoying it very privately and uh it, I was in Las Vegas during the massacre. Uh, mm. Yeah. And I had, and I was supposed to be in the Mandalay Bay meeting some friends for dinner. And instead, my husband and I went to a, uh, this little pubby place in the shops at Mandalay Bay. Anyway, short story is I kept getting these profound nudges, even physical nudges. I know this sounds spooky, but at one point it felt like two hands were on my my shoes, squishing my feet and making them hurt. I was wearing these really cute boots, and um, and it's like, and you know, I, that's physical stuff doesn't happen to me like that. I mean, I don't, you know, that's that's a new one for me. Um, and I just kept feeling like get to your room, and I'm like, oh, but you know, I'm having a good time. Get to your room. Oh God, well, all right, all right, all right. So I get to my room. And on the elevator, just as the elevator's closing to take it up to the 23rd floor um, at the Luxor, um, right across the street from the concert, um, I, I, I just get this nudge to, the, to, add, to look to see if anybody else would want to get on the elevator. And the lobby was dead at that time. I mean, there was just everybody was at the concert across the way. Really quiet. It was a Sunday night. And... Uh, and I can just barely see this couple and they're running hard. I'm like, you want me to hold the elevator for you? They're like, yes. Oh, my God. Yes, please. Yes, yes. Thank you. Oh, my God. Yes. OK. So I hold the elevator and these people were were blood splattered. They mm. were they had just run from it and it was still going on. And um, so that whole night being on lockdown, having the elevators right there, we could see the shooter's window from Mandalay from our room um 
So it was bad. Um, but I had to, after that, it shook me up in profound levels. And it was like, I really need to study happiness psychology. <laughs> and and, uh, and the other thing is um, to really, really, really do what it is that my soul came here to do. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's just not a lot of time to fiddle around, mm-hmm. honestly. And so then it's like, okay, fine. I will face public humiliation if that's what needs to happen. But this is, I know, and I got a sign. I did. It's like, okay, you and me, spirit, I, 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 I never ask for signs anymore. But I'm asking, if you really want me to do this astrology thing, please. I need a sign. And I swear to you, I'm sitting in my my office space and it's kind of like a tree house. And so I'm in the woods and there's a little tiny creek and I'm in um, I'm about an hour outside of Atlanta, Georgia. And I kid you not, there's a picture window in my office. I'm sitting here at my desk. I look up and at eye level through the picture window, a great blue heron fly straight across at eye level just outside my window. Hmm. That doesn't happen here. And I was like, okay, all right, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. And I've never, never had trouble. Like I've uh, people, and I asked to attract really beautiful souls that are really going to change that are here to really help humanity. And that's Hmm. exactly the kind of people who come and it's been wonderful. Wow. So, well, it's a very moving story. So you were, you know, you were like, okay, I need to study psychology. I need to study more what, you know, the nature of happiness. So how do you, if you can define happiness? I define it in terms of not the yippee, woo, yay, yay, you know, go dogs. Uh, Not that as, as much as um well-being like uh there's peace there's well-being it's like we have control studies show that um we don't have control about 60 percent that happens in our lives but that 40 percent you can set your you can set the bandwidth that you're on we have the free will to like to really create a beautiful vibe for ourselves and it starts from the inside out and in in pos- taking positive action is the biggest uh soundbite takeaway with positive with depth psychology is taking positive action getting out of our heads and you know take t- maybe taking the voice of the critic and like i see you I see you. And and maybe just turning the volume dial down just a little bit and then taking positive action. And that just undoes all kinds of kinks and twists and knots. And it just it's a mind blower. (laughs) So I define happy. Yeah. So I define happiness as setting your own. Developing the strength. Not as in gutting it out like tight-fisted, white-knuckled strength, but it's like a pleasurable state. It's being in mm. flow. Yeah, it has to do with pleasure. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I was in – I used to live in New York and, you know, the famous bookstore, Strand. I was in the basement, and you can get all these – 
you know, I don't know what it's like now, but you can, at the time, you could get all these books very, very cheaply. And there was a book called The Happiness Myth, written by a lady, Jennifer Michael Hecht. And in the book, she defines happy, well, first of all, she said she was moved to write the book because she felt that so many people were concerned about long-term success-oriented happiness. And what she means by that, in my reading of the book, is people felt in her, at least she was feeling that the people she was seeing, they were so concerned about long-term success that it shortchanged daily ritualistic, perhaps in part what you're saying, peace-oriented happiness and satiety. And then she also identifies ecstatic happiness, which can be, I mean, we live in that kind of culture right now where it's very almost drug addicted pleasure kind of, you know, beeps on Facebook or, you know, a hit of sugar or alcohol or just these really, you know, the, the part of the brain that gets into ecstasies. So she, her assertion in the book is that we really shortchange just daily living in our lives. So I wonder if you could maybe talk about that a little bit and what are some just, you know, we're doing this podcast right here. What are some simple things people can do to achieve that kind of more perhaps reasonable happiness? And especially, especially in the context of now, and and I almost think of it, I think of the writer Raymond Carver, because he always used to have these stories where people would get like stuck in a house or they would go to a house in the forest hoping to solve their problems, and it would just magnify them. And I think that's what's happening at the time of this recording with coronavirus. People are at home, so they're having to really confront on a daily, moment-to-moment level what their lives are in some sense. But, you know, basically the question is, what, what can people, what are your thoughts on sort of daily happiness, and what can people do just on a simple, practical level to achieve that kind of happiness? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so, yeah, I got a few little ideas. Um, <laughs> so actually, the first one is finding pleasure, approving of right exactly where we are right now. Mm. Like right now, like um, looking out my window and I see spring has sprung. And there was a little cardinal trying to peck his way into my through the window that, you know, but um, just a minute ago and it's gorgeous and the birds are singing and everybody's building little nests and my cat's out hunting at the moment. But I mean, it's and I see I see beautiful things around me and I'm less focused on. Oh, I need to straighten this. And oh, there's a project unfinished. And oh, God, you know, it's it's more which there is a natural inclination for that. But it's what's what's wonderful. I'm enjoying talking with you and I'm enjoying the thought of sharing this conversation with people now in the future. It, it, you know, and who knows what that's going to catalyze and how that's going to resonate and. I'm enjoying the interconnectedness of all of us at this moment. And I'm enjoying taking walks. And I see more people out in the street now walking and children. And and we ask each other how we're doing and we mean it. And 
there's pleasure in that. And it's so it's taking finding pleasure in what's around and approving of those things. And none of those things were mountaintop giddy, you know, the movie moments, but they're pretty sweet. And the other thing is get being in our bodies, being uh, being aware of our bodies and, and paying attention to them, being in them on a moment to moment basis versus the hamster wheel in the head. Because mm. uh, the hamster wheel, you know, the head that holds great for problem solving if you set it on a chore. Figure out for me how to clean out this closet in a reasonable fashion. Give me a plan. Okay, great. Thank you. But who am I? What about my life? What am I doing? Those questions are, are more of a visceral. They, they tend to be more of a visceral matter. And I do, I mean, astrology sure does help in understanding those questions um, and seeing what opportunities lay ahead. But yeah, those are the two biggies. And, and then I guess the last one would be, again, like getting off the sofa and out from the hamster wheel in the head and physically taking action, even if it's just the action, if you can't go out and walk, taking a dance break, turning on something completely ignorant and ridiculous on YouTube and shaking your behind to it. Like just, you know, <laughs> like dogs, when last thought dogs are, um, we've all like either had a dog or seen a dog and they're doing their thing and then they get up and they're like, and they shake, you know, the jowls are flying and, uh, you know, it, it's this uh, adorable moment. And we, and it, what it does is it resets their nervous system. It's like, and then they're, they're cool again mm. and they're back in flow. And we can do the same thing with physical movement. And seriously, like, you can hide in the bathroom for a couple of minutes and turn something on with your iPod so no one sees you and just really get ridiculous with some music. And you can literally shake stuff off. And it's when we get frozen that, you know, it kind of traps that those negative emotions. So I would suggest shaking your behind. Yes, that would, that's what I would say. <laughs> yeah, that's no, it's, it's you know, those daily moments of pleasure that maybe can give you a little bit of ecstasy, but they're not like these over the top, like I'm taking drugs or, you know, this kind of thing. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, <laughs> but OK, so then. Yeah. And then so, again, I'm not a psychologist, but I I've, I've definitely have read a lot of certain psychological texts. And I think one point to make, too, is don't always believe what your mind is telling you, especially when you're sitting when one is sitting in a sedentary spot, because then you're sitting, the mind is thinking and it overthinks it overanalyzes and it wants you to just stay there and keep thinking. So movement is important, as you're saying, flow is important. And even perhaps using the mind for good purposes, which we could maybe define as, okay, I need to clean out the closet and let me, okay, I'll organize this rather than using that logical mind for every facet of every moment of life. Yeah, because life is about so much more than a logical process. Right. <laughs> right. And, and you, you had said yourself that you, at one point you were really privileging logic to the detriment of everything else. 
how I tried it on for size because I was like, ooh, mysticism and intuition and all that, that was all great and well, but ooh. And by the way, the biggest painful things that happened were when I ignored uh, intuition to follow rules. Mm. So I'm a big intuition over rules kind of person uh, mm-hmm. now. Um, but yeah, I tried the, the hardline critical thinking only uh, path for a while. And, and there are great things associated with it, but maybe balance is good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. So this is what really interested me in part about you. So how does astrology fit? And we, we touch on it a little bit, but how does astrology fit into happiness or rather how does happiness fit into astrology? Oh my God, hand <laughs> and glove. So yeah, because you know, with astrology, as an evolutionary astrologer, um, I believe that you know some things are probably faded, and there there is a plan, and there's some things you can see the past life interaction. You can see when there's a karmic connection with people, and you can see definitely trends for. It's like a weather report, okay? It's like, mm-hmm. um, well, you know, we've, if if you're going to go sailing, it's like, well, we've got winds at whatever, and <laughs> the current. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't sailed in forever. Um, but, you know, it's a weather thing. And uh, so it's great to know if the sun's going to be, you know, I mean, if it's not going to be, the skies are going to be clear and the wind's going to be beautiful and going the way you want to go. Well, that's fantastic. It's also good to know if there's going to be a squall and maybe it, it's not time to, to to go just yet. Or maybe you can tack and work your way through it. I guess what I'm saying is, With evolutionary astrology, some things are faded. Most of it's free will. Mm. And so we get to decide. It's like, well, it's like sheet music. There's this, I, I heard someone say this one time, and it resonates so beautifully for me. It's like your chart is like sheet music, and you can play it with a washboard and a kazoo, or you can play it like the London Philharmonic, and it's, your choice. How are you going to play it? And to me, happiness psychology, that depth psychology really gives a lot of uh, it's like, OK, so you've got this opportunity here or you have this challenge here. And it really can incre- just beautifully influence how you use that energy to best effect in the most benevolent creative beautiful ways and the most healing ways Mm. and i find that incredibly exciting because how boring would it be it's like well okay you've got this coming up and that oh you're gonna get a divorce at 31 yeah i see uh you know things with your mom aren't hot are they yeah it's like okay what did that do for me not much um but if there's an opportunity to do this or to move in this direction you would like with someone's north node placement Oh, I just love it. It's and it just helps people to find their true north and what would feel good to them and where their soul wants to go anyway. And by taking positive action, positive, practical action toward getting there, it's just this wonderful feeling when you feel like you're in flow. So does that. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's it's I think it's wonderful. And it. 
I am interested in the debates between fate and free will. That that occupies a lot of my time, and that I think it's a little bit beyond the scope of what we can talk about today. But it's that's why I have different people with different perspectives come on, and I it, it's 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 always a conversation in my head. But I, I did want to talk about you had said earlier that from a psychological, I guess scientific standpoint, we have maybe 40% of what we can control, you know, through free will, and then 60% of we don't. But then astrology, especially what you're saying from evolutionary astrology, seems to say slightly different in that we actually do have quite a bit of free will, even though we have this, say, musical chart that's documented. Could you compare and contrast those two things a little bit? Well, I would never presume to put a number on the percentage of things that are faded and free will. Sure, sure, okay, sure, sure, yeah, yeah. So it, yeah. it could be that they actually, that they're both saying the same thing in different language. Mm. Maybe they're arriving at the same truth. To me, it seems like maybe they're arriving at the same truth just through a different process, like with different methods of astrology. At the end of the day, they all get there. It's just how are you expressing it mm, okay okay so this is something i think we in a roundabout way touched on earlier but a lot of times people go for ecstatic happiness and i see this at least i think as it's being revealed in this conversation a couple ways one is wow i'm gonna reach the mountaintop and do everything that i need to do to reach olympus or you know whatever and then, so that's one kind of, and that that idea can govern years and years and years. And the other one just is, hey, I'm gonna really get high on something like it's a drug, or you know. And they're, I think they're interrelated. But is there a place for feeling blue? You know, I think of the the old standard. I've got a right to sing the blues. I mean, what can <laughs> you know? What can what can you know? Because there's so much emphasis. I was, you know, is there? you know, we talk about happiness so much and obviously that's, that's great. But what about, what about feeling blue? What can feeling blue tell us or how do you approach, you know, when you're down? Well, um, I, uh, I think there's absolutely a place for the blues, for anger, for indignation, for (laughs) everything under that heading. I mean, it's all, we, we have all these emotions and they're all legitimate. And I would, yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because judging an emotion, oh, that's not a pretty emotion. Oh, Mm. (laughs) I won't feel it. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I think that kind of gave rise to the Valium, uh, the moms on Valium, (laughs) mommy's little helper, you know, back in uh, the feminine mystique days. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's, um, I mean, golly, yeah, it's, um, well, it's hogwash. Um, So, yeah, there's this whole spectrum of human emotion and experience the trick the trick is to not stay stuck Mm. in the and to move through it and by taking positive action and being in your body and finding Mm. things around you that feel good like just greeting people in the street when i'm walking the birds are out building homes little starter homes like that's just charming. And I can take delight in that. I can take delight in connecting with people mm-hmm. um, like much as we are now. It's like all these mm-hmm. friends all over and it feels wonderful. And mm-hmm. 
And so, yes, I'll read the headlines. Ah! And then, uh, okay. And then, <laughs> well, first of all, it's not letting myself get to the ah! so much. But yeah, there's a place for for rage, indignation, grief. Uh, and really, I suggest, I mean, my what I have gotten from the literature and experience personally is getting it physical. Like mm. even if it's like having setting aside for the next 20 minutes, I'm going to really feel how I feel about this situation. I'm going to wail on that pillow and I'm going to put on headphones and I'm going to sing out loud or scream or do whatever the mm, it takes. I'm keeping it all G rated for your show. Um, <laughs> do, whatever, <laughs> do whatever it takes to feel it, express it and get it out of your system. So you're not carrying it in your body. And that's the trick because it's the staying in it. That's so toxic. It's the the campground, every what exactly what you said about being sedentary and just like being still and letting the hamster wheel of the head churn on why this is so horrible, whatever it is. And and that's when it gets overboard. And it's the opposite of an ecstatic experience, but we're way over into Neptunian land right. when it's like building this whole imaginary ooh, with movie sets and a, a you know an orchestra playing in the background it's like whoa, 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 la, 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 la. what would it be like if you took 20 minutes and thrashed or demolished a pillow or broke dish you know old crappy dishes you didn't want you know <laughs> and you know what would it be like if you just got it out and then then you go and then it's like you feel lightened you literally your body it, it recalibrates something and then you do something pleasurable so that you know you're recalibrating like the dog doing the and the right. oh oof, okay better yeah and the reason i essentially bring it up is you know that's all great advice is because especially in my own client work i see so many people and on facebook or in life everything's going great and then People come into my studio and it is a 180 degree story. It is not. <laughs> and oftentimes the, the, the story of I'm happy, everything's going well is actually what's causing the problems. So, you know, yeah. that it's yeah, it's so and people maybe not. There's another part of their chart that rules over what's kind of expanding publicly to make them look good or what's motivating them. And then I'm like, well, you're not going to win that one because this other part of your chart is stronger and you want to go with that and that's going to actually bring you happiness so it's it's just yeah. i think that this is my you know i'm taking time to try to define happiness here as opposed to what i think it can be spun as which can actually be very damaging to people so i think that's brilliant i think it's <laughs> because it's yeah it's it's like um well that's it's a lie. Right. And we've all been asked in this culture, we were all asked and continually kind of hollered at to participate in the lie. And it's like, yes, my pants fit great today. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm having a wonderful hair. Look, I'm a woman. We, these are, we struggle with these things. Um, and it's like, um, you know, and so, Everything in the world is telling us to disapprove of ourselves. And so there's this, there's enormous pressure 
to pretend like things are better than they are. And I mean, for anybody who's looking at those polarized energies going, you know what, it's like, go down the rabbit hole. Just go down, embrace the process. And and don't be afraid to to look and you know do do a little exploring, cleaning out the closet, and mm-hmm. looking at what's in there because you always find treasures, and a strength and abilities you never knew you had. But trying to white knuckle it and not really feel or really examine is um well it's impoverishing. Mm. Don't you feel? Yes, and that actually leads me into my next question. And again, a lot of things that really interest me and I'm intrigued about your work is that this actually ties into business. Because I think especially right now, I mean, you know, you don't have to be an astrologer. A lot of businesses are, this is, this might be one of the most disruptive events in business that, you know, and we don't know how long, you know, coronavirus will disrupt things, but probably even more so than the 2008 uh you know, the beginning of the recession, because this, this is just, it's so disruptive. Um, And it's the phenomena of the black swan. So, but then the reason I bring this up, not to, you know, pretend like we're the news going on all day, (laughs) but that, you know, that that you've actually worked very successfully in marketing. So Mm -hmm. I'm interested in how you integrate this spiritual intuitive side with marketing and then business to maybe give people some ideas in their jobs or their businesses, how they can, you know, in their own ways use, you know, this kind of stuff to really make a turn when things are very disruptive and insecure. And and as you had said, I believe earlier in the interview, things aren't always as secure as they might seem but that using this kind of intuition and happiness in the face of things that are cataclysmic and dark and not easy to deal with well um the way i work with it is and and i'll I'll just say real briefly a, a few weeks ago um i had a dream and it was one of those dreams like when I sit down and pay attention and take notes and call a few people and go, what? <laughs> One of those. <laughs> and, um, and it was, it's been, now is the time. Um, there's going to be a whole new wave, a huge wave of people figuring out how to digitize what they do, what they love to do. And there are going to be changes in what people do. And so, the way I use this is I like to consult with people deeply. I like to, you know, I'm, I'm launching a three months to launch personal consulting program where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm an accountant. You know, I mean, some things are not going to, some things will weather well, some won't actually accountant accountants will do well, but, um, and Working with somebody to look at their north node, which is like your true north, as you know. Mm-hmm. But um, for people who aren't aware, it's like, what sign is it in? What house is it in? You know, what what makes your heart feel full and, and just, you know, you feel really right when you're doing it. And um, you're part of fortune, which is a really another Arabic part. Um, 
basically it's where stuff comes comes together and points in a direction. Mm -hmm. And it's like you would do well doing that. And to look at somebody's chart personally and just say, okay, what's what what challenges do you have here? What opportunities are here? What would feel sensational and make you money? And go and you know, and then shape something around that. And then comes the practical strategy, all the critical thinking. It's like, okay, so how okay, so here's the objective. Yay. Does this feel terrific? I mean, does it feel good? If so yay or shape and refine until it's like oh god that feels so good that's what i want and there's that clarity and then once clarity is achieved then it's a practical game plan for giving somebody the visibility they need online to show up and the structure to deliver what it is that they want to offer in a way that's mutually satisfying for them and the people that they're serving. Um, so that it's the enchilada. It's taking it from the the intuition and the astrology, and and then taking it to something very practical and technical. And it's like this is how you do it, and holding their hand, because for a lot of people, this is scary territory. It's like, oh mm-hmm. my God, I've been with X company and. And, you know, especially for people who are approaching midlife, it's like, you know what? Ooh, we got a, hmm. We knew there wasn't going to be a gold watch and a pension, most of us. But now it's like, oh, I, hmm, woo, this is a new proposition. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's creating something that's sustainable. And this year, creating that new pattern for the next 36 years, It's it really is an optimal time to start something new that can be done virtually. I've been working virtual. No, it's real work, but I've been working digitally for 11 years. Mm-hmm. So it just feels natural. Mm-hmm. But um, so that's what I do. And that's what I'm offering right now. Okay. Let me, so just so people know, so what, where can they find some of your online resources and they can look into all of your offerings? You said you had something coming up, you know, at the time of this recording, it's the end of March, but so that'll be, I guess the end of, um, what will that be? The end of June, you're, you're releasing the personal consulting thing or end of beginning of July. Yeah, I'm probably releasing it late August, but it might take me a little bit longer It'll be with a new moon, of course. Um, okay. Of course. But it's, and I've just made it easy. This is a site that's a hub for the rec- reputation alchemy, the astrology of happiness. This is a hub, and it's really easy. It's Lori, L O R I, dot consulting. Oh, that is easy. Thank you. Yeah, they have these new domains now. It's like, whoa, all righty then. Um, yeah. So, okay, so consulting. And what's your what's your website and also, you know, maybe some social media stuff you got going on? Where where can people find you with that? If you look me up, Lori Randall, R A N D A L L Stradman. Okay, here's the weird one. If you just do S T R after Lori Randall, my name will just fly up and you'll see right. the reputation book and all these interviews with Forbes and Kiplinger's and like okay. consumer reports, you'll see it all there. 
Um, okay, wonderful. You can find me online. <laughs> you know what? You just made me think of Lori Randall Strad. It's like a Stradivarius, like either a violin or a guitar. Like, so, I, like so that. You, I like that. I like I that. I do too. Yeah. Could you get like a guitar up? But like a, I'd love to see a picture of you like doing, even if you don't play guitar, doing like finger tapping or something from the 80s or like just stro- like hitting a bar chord. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> that would be totally fun. I, I play just a little bit very badly. Um, so that's really big fun. <laughs> I love but I, I know that. Was, I know that. See, this is like this happened. I would love the visions of what I want to see from people, and very fun. Okay, so we're we're running a little bit short on time, but I think one thing to you know to have a little bit of fun, but a little bit serious. Maybe the serious first. So you know, you talk about bringing. Okay, it, this was a quote from Saint Thomas. If you bring forth what is within. If, or if if you bring forth what is within, what you bring forth will save you. If you don't bring forth what is within, what is within will destroy you. And I also think of uh, Marsilio Ficino, one of the intellectual drivers of the Renaissance, the heavens are entirely within. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so could you talk a little bit about that? I know that's a huge topic, but this idea of we're made of star stuff or the heavens are within, or as St. Thomas said, we have to bring forth what is within to save us. And if we don't, it'll destroy us. But could you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Um, God, those are perfectly well-chosen quotes. I mean, that's like where my heart beats. Mm-hmm. It's, and that's the thing. And, and Brené Brown has one. She's like, basically in midlife, life takes you by the shoulders and says, I'm not kidding. And but it and that's so kind of on a, a dark note, but yeah, it's like we've got these our souls have an agenda this lifetime. <laughs> and you know, and if we're just off humming and sticking our fingers in our ears and closing our eyes, that's not gonna be fun. And it's it could involve um you know, some really serious escapist behavior and just some especially as people turn 40 um like things just kind of come crashing down around they're like is that all there is is that all there is Mm -hmm. and it's like well you know if you take off you know take your fingers out of your ears and i don't mean to sound ugly but like there is that music inside just that music that you know and it's like and the more you just go ahead and say you know oh hell with it i'm just gonna do me and i'm gonna respond to what I love and I'm going to go toward what makes me feel energized and alive. And when you feel that life force moving Mm -hmm. through you, that's when you know that that's the music. Mm -hmm. And when you just go with that, regardless of what any critics might have to say about it, there's, it's just such an enlivening, powerful experience. It beats anything. And Mm -hmm. that's what I would say. Mm, Wonderful. And, you know, this is more of a fun thing, I think, although it could be very profound, depending on what one makes happen with it. How is Friday the 13th actually a lucky day? (laughs) (laughs) So Friday the 13th has to do with the feminine. And it's there are 13 months in a year and based on the lunar cycle. And 13, it, you know, it has to do with uh, feminine cycles. And 
it just has to do with um, it used in Venus. Well, Friday is named uh, for Freya, the Nordic goddess, who's basically most of us would recognize more as like Venus. And um, so there's this Venusian feminine quality about Friday. And so when Friday would land on the 13th, it'd be like, you know what? The most fruitful thing we could do here would be to, the most fertile thing would be to like go out into the field, especially if it's in springtime, and um, uh, enact the rites of spring. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I can, you know, the, the, right. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, it's, um, it's a celebration. It's mm-hmm. a celebration of fertility, receptivity, mm-hmm. all those beautiful feminine things. That's all. Okay, wonder, <laughs> and wonderful. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. It's and you, you know, I was reading too. You had written something that there are buried treasures in a chart, and I guess you talked about that a little bit. The North Node and part of Fortune. But yeah. is there anywhere you look for just for you know for people who know a little bit about astrology? You know what? I have found this out of hundreds of readings. This is really the buried treasure in a chart. I mean, when I think of buried treasure, I think of the fourth house. Because it can, it's yeah. Oftentimes there can be buried treasure there, especially for people who do horary charts or charts mm-hmm. that are really of the moment. But w- where do you find some buried treasure in the chart? Well, I'll tell you. For me, it really the first thing I look at is the North Node. Right. right. And it's like for me, that's the plumb line, the tuning fork, mm. and looking at where it's been, you know, the South Node, and kind of drawing from that. And kind of some ideas about the life before. And then, yeah, the trajectory. What trajectory are we on? Okay, what tools do we have? What obstacles do we have? That, to me, it's the, for me, the way I read, it's the plumb line. Mm. Yeah. Um, so as far as buried treasures go, I don't, I don't know. I'm just so honed in on that. I'm so all about the soul's evolution and what you really mm-hmm. come to let's do it what you know what block right. what might be blocking what might be moving you along that you could tap into mm-hmm. and you know like if you were surfing where are the better waves oh, okay <laughs> right right yeah oh that's wonderful well is there anything else you wanted to say um well yeah i i want to I want to thank you, Dan, for all the work that you put into this podcast and your extraordinary ability to interview, to intuit, and then just you've got that wonderful balance of the intuition and the critical thinking and the research. I'm I'm really excited, Um, and and I want to thank you on a personal note for this whole Prometheus thing you fished out. You know, it's it's funny where I got that because I just finished and I recommend this book, uh, Circe. Oh, gosh, what's the writer's name? Madeline Miller, I think, is the name. And it retells a lot of the myths from the vantage point of Circe. It's very interesting. And Prometheus does show up in, in a very dramatic way. So I have been thinking about Prometheus very acutely in the past few days. And 
it actually talks about the pains that he really did have to go through to get fire to human beings. And, you know, it's not lost on Cersei and she tries to give him some relief at various points in the story that she's retelling. That really great writer. She has two degrees in classics, so she really knows mm. her stuff as mm. far as what the oh yeah, as far as what the myths are and it's so yeah, so that that was great to just have your chart as a personification of something that touches that primal mythological place, which is how you got your start. This is Dan Beck signing off from the Star Love Podcast. And remember, if you love the stars, they'll love you back. On episode 10 of the Star Love Podcast, we feature astrologer Jeffrey Cornelius. We discuss Jeffrey's seminal work, The Moment of Astrology, which grapples with the best skeptical arguments levied against astrology and then uses those very same arguments to offer a vision of astrology as divination. To support the production of the Star Love podcast, leave a donation in the Leave a Tip, Make a Wish section at innermakeup.net. Thank you for listening, and please rate us on Apple Podcasts. If you're interested in sponsoring a future podcast, email james at innermakeup.net.